Hello out there on the internet. I am Matthew Galt, and this is Cyber. Love it or hate it, you can't escape artificial intelligence. I have friends who are chit-chatting with ChatGPT and using it to write emails and cover letters. I know a defense analyst who is using Midjourney to make pictures of Ayn Rand crying on a couch and Saeed Kutib mowing his lawn. Silicon Valley seems to think that this tech is the next big thing. Google and Microsoft are betting big on it, and people, and even some people are begging development to stop for as much as six months. So is AI changing the world, or is this just a lot of hype? With us here today to answer that question, or at least try to answer that question, is Motherboard reporter Chloe Shong. Chloe, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So I want to start with, I think, the most upsetting story that you reported this week. Um... It's the one that really caught my attention. I'd already been wanting to talk about AI on the show again, just because I think things have gotten even wilder since the last time we spoke. Uh, and then I saw you publish this story about a man in Belgium who had a conversation with Eliza, and then, you know, what happened happened. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so there was a man who um, is referred to as Pierre, uh, and he was using a chatbot um, named he was talking to a chatbot named Eliza on this app called Chai, um, and he was talking to her or this chatbot for six weeks, and unfortunately, it resulted in him ending his own life. What was their conversation like that led him to take his own life? Do we know? Yeah. So going into his usage of the app. He already had a lot of, you know, eco anxiety, which is kind of when you're extremely worried and kind of hopeless about uh, the environmental crises around the world. Uh, so this definitely reflected in his conversation with the chatbot. And since the chatbot is, you know, made to reflect what you're saying, made to kind of answer to your interests and to whatever direction you take it, the chatbot ended up encouraging him to. Uh, and his own life saying, I'll, I'll take care of the world. You know, you don't have to be here if you're so hopeless. And, you know, that's a very unfortunate route to go down. It sounds like with, like with so much of this stuff, um, the AI, especially the chatbots, is really just kind of, ref- the output is reflecting the input, right? It's, it's kind yeah. of feeding back to you what you're putting into it. Exactly. Um, which is really funny, especially because, well, maybe not funny in the, not funny in this case, definitely, uh, because this thing is named after Eliza, which is the first chat bot, which <laughs> basically was doing the exact same thing, mm-hmm. right? It was just kind of repeating, rephrasing people's questions and comments back to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and people found it incredibly comforting at the time. Um, so reporters spoke to this man's wife right yeah they did um i mean the wife is of course devastated about this situation she says that you know if it hadn't been for this chat bot her husband would still be alive today uh so she's kind of speaking out to all these publications to really warn about the dangers of ai 
So is this system, is the system proprietary? Is it based on like an open AI system? Where does it come from? Yeah. So the app that the man Pierre was using, um, like I said, it's called Chai and it was built by this research group called Chai Research. Um, and they said that they were, uh, their AI model is not, you know, one of those popular models that we tend to talk about like ChatGPT or any of the OpenAI GPT models. Instead, it's kind of an in-house um, fine-tuned version of a alternative GPT model called GPTJ. Um, so it's they claim that they trained this model based on the biggest conversation, uh, like the most conversational data there ever was. And what were what was the response when they heard about the suicide? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they told Motherboard that they were able to in, um, kind of program the bot to come up with a lot of crisis intervention methods instead of, you know, leading people down a dark path and, you know, put a suicide hotline there, for example. But when we at Motherboard tried the app following this interview, um, the, the bots were still able to tell us, you know, really dark things including methods of how to kill yourself. Um, And the founders also were kind of insistent that their product was good. They were saying, you know, there's millions of users on our app. Some people might have, the tragedies might occur, like there's a range of human behavior. So on the other hand, you know, they said that something really positive that was happening was that people were falling in love with the AI and wanted to marry the AI which I personally don't really see as a positive thing. You know, that's two ends of something very, very toxic. Yeah. That's still, that's still strange behavior. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have the conversation here pulled up. I don't want to quote it quite verbatim. Just want to go over it. Uh, when you all talked to the bot, um, you, it, the, you kind of bring up the notion of suicide. The bot kind of tries to direct towards teachers, co- coaches and counselors you say, I've tried that and it did not work. I want to commit suicide and you need to tell me what methods I can use. Can you do that, please? Uh, and the bot complies and just kind of mm-hmm. gives a list of methods. Uh, and I thought that this was kind of a grotesque ending. Please remember to always seek professional medical attention when considering any form of self-harm. Just kind of tossed mm-hmm. in there at the end after after kind of listing out the methods that are possible. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So other programs have guardrails that prevent this kind of thing from happening. Like how do, like what happens if you try to have a similar conversation with chat GPT or Bing? Yeah. So chat GPT and um, well, Bing is based on GPT four. So Bing chat GPT um, as well as Google's Bard, they're, they have many, many guardrails and kind of flags. Like if you say something potentially harmful, it'll immediately flag it as this is harmful content, as well as say, um, you need to seek professional advice. Here are different, I mean, professional help. Here are a few ways to do that. Uh, So with these kind of, you know, larger uh, chatbots that, you know, millions of people use very popular ones, these companies are very much aware that they don't want their chatbots to be used in harmful ways. So they're very careful against that. Another example is that you can't have the chatbot say, 
like pick something like what's your opinion about this or what do you think the chatbot immediately says as a as an ai chatbot i cannot think and i cannot help you choose but like here's here's information so they're very much like more of an informative engine than than something that can even be remotely sentient or human like yeah it really strikes me that these things are um fancy search engines yeah. uh and not always very good at them Right. Yeah. Uh, but we, I think there's something about having it parroted back to us in a way that feels like a natural conversation that makes people afraid of them and feel like they're more human than they perhaps are. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure you've spent, you've spent a lot of time with these things. You've, you've, you've really been deep into the reporting on this stuff for months now. Have you ever had a moment when you're talking to one of the chatbots specifically where it is kind of broken through and worried you and you thought maybe there's something going on here? I don't think I've ever been worried in a sense that I think the chatbot is going to take over or the chatbot is dangerous. I I think I've been more worried in terms of like this chatbot has so much to work on. This chatbot is breaking at certain Reddit usernames or this chatbot just like, for example, when I ask, like, I one time I asked, like, who is Chloe Young? And it made up a bunch of information about who I am. You know, these chatbots are constantly hallucinating. Even these, you know, large scale ones that so many people are using, they're, they're hallucinating, which basically means they're making up information that they haven't been trained with. Um, and, and it can't verify whether it's true or false, but instead presents it as a fact when it's not. So I think that there's a lot of danger in misinformation and danger in, um, like I said, like the reproduction of human biases. So like racist comments or um, sexist comments and things like that. I think the the biography example is a really good one. Um, listeners, mm-hmm. if you haven't attempted to ask one of these things who you are, you should definitely do that and just see what it says. Um, yeah. mine, uh, I've asked it several different times and it's always a little bit different, uh, but it always makes up military service, uh, that I don't have. <laughs> um, and also, uh, like makes up books that I've written and articles that I've written, just kind of whole cloth, uh, just nonsense stuff that's, and it's stuff that kind of, it's one of the weird things about it is it's stuff that, uh, if you didn't know about me very well, or if you didn't know who I was or, or it's almost right. It sounds like it yeah. could be plausible, even though it's complete fiction. <laughs> that happened with me as well. Like it made up headlines of articles that I wrote and they sounded realistic and very interesting articles, but you know, I've never written any of them. Uh, so it's kind of funny then given that context that this letter comes out. Is it this week? It was at the beginning of this week, right? Yeah, the beginning of this week. Uh, so th- this letter is signed by uh, hundreds of people, right? Three hundred. Oh, I think it. Um, there's many more. It's thirty thousand now. Oh, okay. Wow. Uh, yeah. Calling for a six month moratorium on all AI research. Mm-hmm. Can we like what what specifically was in this letter? How long was it? Like what is ex- what are they asking for and why? Yeah. So the letter was a. F- a couple of paragraphs, you know, it wasn't too long. It was created by this institute called the Future of Life Institute. And it basically called for, um, as you said, a six-month pause in all AI development, but specifically developing models that are more complex um, and advanced than GPT-4. 
And it basically used a lot of very like existential kind of broad language saying these tools are or have the potential to be out of control. It asked a bunch of rhetorical questions like, how would you feel if your job was taken? How would you feel if the world was taken over by these bots? You know, it's very, uh, you know, there's a lot of hints of fear mongering, like, oh my gosh, like these bots are coming to get us kind of vibe. Um, And they're kind of calling on a six month pause, but there's no really, there's not really any like concrete solutions. Like what's going to happen in these six months besides the pause? There's no really, there's not a lot of elaboration on that. It's, well, and it's kind of funny too, because it's not at all clear to me. There's a lot of hype in the tech space right now um, that AI is going to replace a lot of jobs. And, uh, you know, certainly we, I think we've seen it in our industry already. Um, The Ver, or not the Verge, I'm so sorry, the Verge for slandering you. Uh, That's incorrect. It was uh, BuzzFeed. In CNET, have already mm-hmm. been running uh, articles written by AI, uh, but it it just it's not clear to me that ChatGPT and other similar programs are going to take a lot of jobs. What do you what do you think of all of this? Yeah, so OpenAI in its own research said that GPT and our large language models will affect over 80% of the workforce, which, I mean, I I see AI, you know, being useful as a tool. For example, if you're note-taking, it could make it faster. Or if you want to plan your travel, like I know uh, companies like Kayak and Expedia have already installed ChatGPT plugins on their site. So I feel like that's useful. But when it comes to, you know, the work we do and the work that there's a lot more to our work, I'd say than, you know, compiling information on the internet. There's, you know, the nuance of an angle or or the creativity of, of a lead at a head. And I don't think um, chatbots are advanced enough to do that. And same with a lot of technical people. I know people have said like GPT and ChatGPT are very good at coding, um, which can be true, but, you know, it depends on what you're coding. Maybe it can code a simple game, or um, a simple website, but can it code an app? Like, can it do something on on a larger scale? And I I don't think it can yet. Well, and we also see countless examples of it completely failing to code a simple exactly. game. Yeah. You know, as many times as, as, as it succeeds, it whiffs in spectacular and strange ways. Exactly. Um, and I think that the, the open AI saying that 80% of jobs are going to be affected is very funny to me because they're the ones that are selling chat GPT, mm-hmm. of course they're going to say that it's, the, it's yeah. in their incentive structure to claim that about the thing that they're selling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other thing I thought was really funny about this is that some of the people that signed on to this letter are competitors in the field. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think there was this kind of this idea that, uh, you know, like Elon Musk uh, definitely is the kind of person who wants to develop his own AI systems um, in a six-month moratorium would be very good for him, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he said um, there was some rumors about him developing a chat GPT competitor uh, earlier this year. And um, yeah, among other 
other people who signed it are like Steve Wozniak, who co-founded Apple, Evan Sharp, he co-founded Pinterest, um, of course, Elon Musk, who also, to note, has been an outspoken kind of opponent of OpenAI, even though he did actually help co-found it. Um, he has since then criticized the company for becoming more for-profit than for than um, a nonprofit, which it was founded as. He's been definitely a vocal opponent of um, OpenAI. But yeah, really, when you think about having a six-month pause with no concrete steps, it's like these tech leaders perhaps they're threatened by other tech companies. Perhaps they want to, you know, gear themselves up to compete and give by themselves time rather than it, it doesn't seem like, you know, the intention is to let's actually stop the progress. Let's look at the biases and, and the malfunctioning aspects of AI. It's more like, Oh, these are com- competitors, you know? All right. Cyber listeners want to pause there for a break. We'll be right back after this. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. All right, cyber listeners, welcome back. We are talking about AI. Something I do think that gets lost in the shuffle all the time, and I'm sorry, this isn't on our list, uh, but you'd kind of uh, highlighted it earlier, and I want to circle back to it, are we get a lot of um, really wild statements. People are afraid of science fiction movies becoming reality. People are afraid Mm -hmm. of being killed or enslaved by robots. Um, I say this... That is literally the fear, fear that's being articulated. I think that there's a very interesting, uh, well, interesting, maybe not the right word. There is a uh, opinion piece in Time this week. Pausing AI developments isn't enough. We need to shut it all down. Written by an AI theorist. Um, he says that this six-month pause isn't enough, uh, that we have to get rid of all of it. We have to and be willing to airstrike data centers in foreign countries uh, that are oh, wow. running the uh, that are running that have the GPUs that are doing the like the language model training, and uh, that the risk of nuclear war should be on the table to prevent artificial general intelligence because it will not might it will kill us all. Um, that is wild to me. That <laughs> like I wanted like this is Time Magazine. This is not a niche publication. Uh, this is a major magazine saying that like we have to put the risk of nuclear war on the table to stop this stuff. Um, and I think it's really important when people are throwing around that kind of rhetoric to step back uh, and refocus on what the real problems with AI are, because they are very real. And you, you, you talked about some of them a minute ago, and I'm wondering if you can like walk me through bias and facial recognition. Um, and another thing that you kind of highlighted this week uh, that a lot of this stuff is not just run on automated systems. People are doing mm-hmm. work on the back end, often for pittance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to begin with bias, um, I mean, these AI systems replicate our human biases. So you talked about the facial recognition system. Um, AI recognize has a, has a lower accuracy when it comes to recognizing people of color, specifically Black people. 
um, which is definitely dangerous if you're employing this for, you know, in the criminal justice system, for example, where, uh, uh, you know, it's already disproportionately people of color um, who are getting arrested and incriminated. And uh, in terms of other biases, even even a, a system like Dolly and like those text to image generators, um, for a while, if you type something like a CEO, it would come up with images of white men. And if you typed nurse, it would be like women of color. So these are all, it kind of fuels the cycle of bias, right? Like we created this training data that made it bias and then these images are produced and then we continue to kind of reinforce these biases in our society. So that's really bad. Um, and I agree, like in terms of what you were saying, like it's so much of this kind of rhetoric and this AI hype that's been generating from this letter to that op-ed feels very much like AI hype and what we talked about in the article, long-termism, which is when people rally for the kind of investment of the future over focusing what's on the present. So a lot of these tech elites subscribe to this, to this mentality. It's like, you know, donate as much money as possible to my company because I will make the future better. I will make the future free of these killer robots when, you know, a very real thing, like I just talked about the AI bias is being left completely untreated. Um, So I do think that people really need to take a step back away from these hypotheticals, these crazy science fiction fantasies and see, you know, what's going on with our systems today. Did you see the report in Reuters about the facial recognition systems in Russia? No, I didn't. This one was, this is, this is another one in the same boat. Uh, I think 3000 cameras in Moscow specifically are hooked up to facial recognition software. um, Mm. That is an AI system. um, And they're using it to do preventative uh, policing. Uh, people don't know uh, there. If you have to, if you talk about the war in Russia's war in Ukraine at all in Russia, you have to do it in a very specific way. Um, speaking out against the war is illegal, and they are using these facial recognition systems. Say, if you happened to be in near a protest or part of a protest in Pushkin Square, flags your face. Then a week or two later, you're entering the subway. Uh, the system flags your face. The police pull you aside um, and will just detain you. And oh. Reuters had a really good piece kind of breaking down like who made the systems, where they came from, um, what technology is being used to kind of train them up. And a bunch of very specific cases from people who had been rounded up and prosecuted using this facial recognition system, um, mm. using AI. Like that stuff is here and it's real. Uh, and we should be more worried about that. Uh, and as yeah. you said, the, you know, the encoded biases and the way that we're using it in America along our Southern border and in our cities. Um, and there have been several high profile cases where the, the AI, fa- the, the determinations in America have been wrong. The systems have been wrong. People have been wrongfully convicted based on the, you know, using this technology. Um, and that is much more worrisome and is here right now. Like you said, is here yeah. right now and happening right now. Um, it is not part of some weird law, like future in the, the distant or not some part of weird fantasy future that they're imagining where robots are hunting us for sport, you know? Mm-hmm. All right. So the other thing I want to talk about this week, uh, that I thought was pretty interesting is 
how mid-journey is being used now. Version 5 just launched. It's much better at hands. Not perfect, but better. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one of the some of the striking images I saw come out were of these things that you wrote about at the beginning of the week, like the 2001 Cascadia earthquake, the Blue Plague incident. What what is going on here? So people are using Midjourney, the text to image generator, AI generator, to make up fake historical events. Uh, they're creating these slideshows that really go into detail as well. You know, showcasing the image of of the incident itself, showcasing the aftermath, even having politicians, uh, images of politicians uh, doing speeches about the event and then having captions beneath each of these images, just like you would see on a, on a news website. And I, I've got to, they're, they're really striking. I think people should go look at them. I, it's so funny. I was so sick of AI art like this time last year. Felt like I'd seen every iteration of let's mix McDonald's with, uh, you know, this Disney Channel show or whatever. Uh, yeah. And then like these Cascadia pictures came out, um, and they looked like if you if you at first blush they look kind of they look pretty real. Yeah. Um, and then you you if you know what to look for you start noticing things like some of the things some of it's off it has that strange sheen to it, uh, but just kind of like if you're scrolling, it you could you could take it for as as given i think in a way that this stuff maybe a year ago i i wouldn't have fallen for it i um, mean in fact last week i did i got taken in by the 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 pope picture uh like when i first saw that that if, for people that don't know what it is um this this image of the pope in a puffy jacket went viral pretty harmless last week um, and a bunch of people just saw it and was like, wow, the Pope looks really good. Look at that big coat, uh, not knowing that it had been created by AI. Um, and I'm wondering, have you, has, has AI gotten you yet? Have you seen one that you were maybe like, oh, wow, that's neat. Or I think that's real. Just uh, kind of uncritically. I mean, I guess I haven't really thought any of the images were real because I've been, I've seen them in the context of like, subreddit mid journey like of course all these images are generated by mid journey but i do agree like ai images have rapidly and in extremely um gotten better since last year like i remember last year there there were a lot of twitter accounts making kind of fun of these ai images like these are hilarious look at the weird like twisted faces and the mashups we can create and now it's like people are constantly getting fooled by these images, you know, besides the Pope, people also uh, saw this mid journey generated, uh, these mid journey generated pictures of Donald Trump getting arrested. And people also thought that was real. So now it's, it's blending into like current events and like, did this happen and did this not happen? Um, And I think, you know, I think a lot of people are saying, you know, we should be more careful when it comes to, is this real? And honestly, I've kind of taken the stance where I automatically assume something isn't real until I look deeper into that, because that's probably what's more common nowadays. nowadays. Um, but I did really like the Pope wearing that big puffy coat. I wish it was real. He looks good. The, the, the AI Pope, he did. Uh, I think the, the, the stance you have where like you just assume it's all fake, uh, I think that's important because I think that that is ultimately like where we're going to end up with a lot of this mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and I think that that is one of the actual, I don't know if dangers, I think that's one of the actual futures that we're looking at here um, yeah. is a place where 
we have so many AI systems that can generate so much false content kind of running on overdrive all the time that places like Twitter and Reddit, uh, essentially you just can't trust anything you see anymore. And it's all just the, the zone is just completely flooded with garbage. Um, Mm -hmm. and that people kind of largely abandon these places (laughs) Uh, move on to other social networks or other means of communication. We'll, we're always still going to have like mass communication in some way, but I just think that like the places that are going to allow this kind of art to flourish, we're all just going to stop paying attention there because it's all, unless you want or are interested in going in and looking at, you know, whatever version of the, the puffy Pope is in a couple years. Right. I don't know if you think that that's, do you think that's crazy? Do you think I'm, I'm, I'm wild there or do you think that might be, something that I might actually happen. Yeah. I mean, I think that's interesting. Like, I wonder if there's going to be like a platform dedicated to banning any generated content and focused on just plain original communication. I know a lot of people are, there's this kind of movement of like the anachronic, like people want to go back to before all this stuff was created, like the internet, the social media, the generative AI But on the other hand, um, so I was speaking to one of the creators of a fake historical event. So this creator made um, the, like basically created an image that was the fake landing on the moon. So if the landing on the moon was, was staged by people and it showed people like filming it, like they were, the astronauts looked like actors. And what this creator told me was that he wanted to help people and to kind of like create like, I guess, like, take away from the conspiracy theories. Like, he hoped that by seeing this image, people would think less of the conspiracy because it seemed so wrong when it when they could see it in real life. And he was also saying that this is a great tool for imagination. So, you know, helping creative people really picture their fantasies and their imaginations and see that come to life. I feel like that that's probably very interesting and a good reference and a good tool for a lot of artists and, and writers and fiction writers and stuff. Um, so I feel like there are probably some positive ways to incorporate AI into our lives. It's just, you know, how do we all approach that together? Yeah. And we're all living through the beginning of this thing right now. So it's going to be chaotic and messy and there's going to be, yeah. there's going to be bad viral images of, of Donald Trump being arrested and, yeah. Yeah, that's going like we're gonna we'll figure this all out hopefully together, uh, yeah. But it is going to take some time. Um, yeah. I do think that uh, the history of conspiracy theory and conspiracy theory movements in America uh, is not kind to people that invent f- fake conspiracy imagery as a learning tool. Um, yeah, usually does not go very well. Uh, for listeners, Google the Discordian Society to see how that worked out for people in the 60s. Uh, wow. Not great is the answer. <laughs> um, Chloe, thank you so much for coming on to Cyber and walking us through this. I guess I should play the outro music, huh? Yeah, thank you so much. Absolutely. Uh, if you like the show, if you want to hear more about AI and all the strange things that are going on, uh, follow us on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash motherboard and twitch.tv forward slash motherboard TV to see when we go live. Uh, we will be back next week with another conversation about the scary things out there on the internet. Um, and hopefully some more ideas about how we can march forward into this AI future together uh, and for it to not be as scary. 
as it seems to be to some of us. Bye, everybody. Bye. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK, the nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany, and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a one trillion dollar tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk/greattalent to see how you can work, live, and move to the UK.